as the crow flies on the Vance Crow Podcast. Sam Miller, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. So you are deep, a connection quarantine. between my uh, between my longest and oldest friend Jake now, who lives out in the in Washington State, working with as far as I know at risk youth, and I've been trying to get different perspectives about how people are impacted by coronavirus from a variety of different angles. And uh, he really thought that you would be a good person to talk with because you guys are at the epicenter of dealing with uh, a pandemic with guys that don't have a lot of options. So, Sam, tell me a little bit about what, what work you do. Where are you at right now? Uh, well, right now I'm stuck in my house uh, because my mom has uh, – she's high risk for coronavirus stuff. She has, uh, she's older and she has like a heart condition. So I'm not working around youth right now. Uh, my job, uh, basically if school is in session, I work with youth in schools in the gig Harbor, Key Peninsula area. And, uh, I work with students that are in unstable housing situations or, uh, students that are having like more severe, like behavior stuff going on. Uh, and then when school is not in session, then I work at our, uh, a drop-in center in Tacoma for unhoused youth. Uh, and that's what Jake's main deal is. And that's where I met Jake was when, uh, he started working there, uh, back when we were working for a different nonprofit before we got bought out, which is a whole nother story. God, Sam, I didn't even really think about that, but you're dead right. I mean, there are people that are out of their jobs there. I mean, I think the government is going to try and push people for a while to not evict uh, yeah. people that can't pay, but eventually that train's going to run out. And if those people don't get regular jobs and catch up on their bills, you're exactly right. We will see a homeless population increase. Well, a cool thing that is going to happen is that rent's probably going to go down. Like that's one thing that, uh, hopefully we see rent that's more like, cause I mean, the area that me and Jake work in, and this is what people don't talk about when they talk about homelessness is they say, Oh, like drugs, addiction, uh, mental health and all that stuff plays a part. But I always want, like to say this. So like the reason I was homeless was because I, uh, I suffered, I had, I was a drug addict. Right. And, uh, I burnt so many bridges, but I grew up middle-class and I know how to operate in the middle-class world. Uh, and I, yeah, I was, I was homeless for, for a couple years, but when I stopped using, I could get out of that really easy. But my mom let me stay at her house, basically. So I had that door that I could walk through when I was ready. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people, uh, a lot of homeless folks that do use drugs, they're not homeless because they use drugs. They use drugs because they're homeless and it helps folks cope. There's also a lot of homeless folks that people assume use drugs that aren't using drugs and that's like mental health symptoms or trauma that they've experienced and that's coming out. You know what I mean? Like basically it's like the same idea. It's, it's the weirdest thing in the world. Like if I know somebody who's like a combat veteran, I'm not going to tell them what war is like, but it's crazy because in the United States, when we talk about homelessness, it's all these people that have never experienced it. Want to tell other folks what it's like or like what's causing it or what's doing it, but they don't got any idea because they, they're not, they haven't gone to school for it. I know that. And they sure as hell haven't experienced it. You know what I mean? Uh, so if you were, hard- if you were homeless right now in, in the situation of coronavirus, 
what would what would the guy that was the drug addict be worried about? What would be on the top of your mind? How would you be handling this? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I would imagine that uh, I, you know, are you familiar with with Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Sure. Yeah. But yeah. give it to me from your angle, man. Well, I mean, you got the physiological stuff. So I'm going to be trying to get enough to eat. Uh, I'm going to be uh, finding trying to stay warm. Uh, that would be th- those would always be my number ones. And then after that, I'm going to try to make myself feel better emotionally. And uh, I'll see. And that's the thing is that if I put myself back in that spot, then, yeah, then I'm I'm going to try to get I, you know, that that's what when I when I'm active in my addiction, that's what happens. Unfortunately, what what I think is 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 folks, I'm not a good representation of that because I'm an outlier in that uh I grew up middle class. Most folks that are homeless or poor in the United States were, were raised in a, a system that uh, where their parents were poor. Like it's generational poverty versus situational poverty. So I experienced situational poverty where most of the issues that we see revolve around generational poverty. You know, uh, that's generational poverty is like, you know, like a, like trailer parks in Arkansas or like inner city areas and like the major cities and stuff like that. That's more generational poverty. Yeah. Where when a guy goes to try and climb out of it, let's say he's made some mistakes along the way. He doesn't have the basement necessarily to go live in at his parents or or exactly. even know how the social norms of how to interact with people so that you can get a job exactly. or, or function in that way. Yeah. People don't realize it's it's a really I like to use this example of like. Uh, folks that live in poverty, middle class and like rich folks, like even if the way you look at something like food, like if you grow up poor, it's kind of like, did you eat enough? Are you full? If you grew up middle class, it's like, uh, did it taste good? Was it, was it, was it delicious? And if you grew up rich, it's like, did the food look good? Like, wow. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. And when you look for a romantic partner, uh, if you're poor, it's like, uh, will he keep me safe? Can he protect me from from people? Middle class, it's like, uh, what can they bring to the table? Like, can they help meet my needs? And then if you're rich, it's like, can it advance me? Can I like marry? You know what I mean? Can it advance me in a social class? Basically, like, can I like marrying up or whatever? It's really wild stuff, man. And if you don't know that, you don't know that. And the only way to know that is by living it and learning it, you know? Yeah. And if you've been in like in the situation where you haven't been confronted with that, like, I mean, I got to tell you, Sam, you're the only uh, there's there's only a handful of people I know that have ever been homeless. And this is the longest I've ever talked to somebody about being homeless. (laughs) And that's the and that's the thing, man. And that's the I guess that's the that's the wall right there, you know, and uh, the ideas. And I would like to say, too, that, like, I don't consider myself like a fair represent. I think I've made that pretty clear, but that I don't consider myself like a fair representation of like uh, a formerly homeless individual because I am an outlier in those ways. And that, uh, in a lot of ways, like I have a lot of privilege by basically having a middle class mom and being able to go to her house and to find my way out you know it's 
Yeah, if that makes sense. I just want to make that really clear. Yeah, man, I, I think uh, you're you're being incredibly humble because I think if I had been homeless, I wouldn't let anybody put caveats on me. I'd be like, I was homeless, and so therefore I I know it. I know I know the experience completely. So I think it's very humble. So yeah, I, I, uh, one of the things that I'm trying to do with this particular podcast series is to make sure that I, I think coronavirus is going to rewrite the rules of society. I, I think this is one of the rare times, maybe once in a generation, once every two generations, you have a situation that so radically alters what's going on in society that rules get rewritten, the way things are done get changed. And I think within the boundaries of reality, like we're not going to suddenly shift the lower class all the way to being the upper class or something like that, yeah. but things are going to change as people are going back to rewrite the rules as, as they're going to think about who they should care for, how they should look out for people. What do you hope they know about the unhoused or the people that you're dealing with to make sure that they're considering a population that somebody like me would never come in contact with? So, I always say this, like people see the, they see the people struggling sometimes or what looks like a struggle and they, uh, but like folks are resilient, like, uh, folks find ways to survive. And honestly, like just existing in a society that, that puts so much, uh, where wealth is considered to be like the most important thing and existing within that society at the bottom, at the bottom, what would be considered like the bottom rung uh, of that, the, that doesn't mean that there's not still like moments of like joy and like amazing things happening within that community. You know what I mean? And like the best support that homeless folks have is other homeless folks is is the relationships that get developed and the amazing things that can happen like within the community and the best thing uh i think folks like me and folks like you and other folks can do is to is to build up that community and 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 kind of sponsor folks helping other folks if that makes sense uh and along with that like I'm always going to be upset that we live in the richest country the world's ever known. And there's people sleeping outside. Uh, I know some folks, I get that idea where it's like, Oh, well I, you know, I pay my mortgage and I pay my rent. But to me, that kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier about generational poverty versus situational poverty. Like uh, it takes a long sustained effort to break generational poverty. It's not a sprint. It's like a marathon. Like the folks that do climb out of generational poverty, like the amount of work and things that have to like go right makes it almost uh, as a unit, as like, a, not, I'm not talking about individual cases, but as a, as a whole, as a whole system, generational poverty, uh, it needs a more sustained effort to break as a whole. And that is something that this country could do. And it wouldn't take as much as people think it would take, you know, like just basic shelter. And so folks know that they're going to be like warm at night. Like I've, I've slept outside and I know what it's like to be wet and cold. And I know what it's like to be wet and cold for like a, for long periods of time. And I know what it's like to, to want to do anything to not feel wet and cold. And, uh, unfortunately, 
the way it's set up, the the same things I do to make myself feel better when I the same things I did to make myself feel better when I was homeless were the things that were going to keep me homeless, basically. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and that would be like uh, drug use or other coping strategies and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's that it's that short term uh, that if you're if you're standing at the top of the mountain or even a little bit up on the mountain, you can see, oh, those are bad decisions. But if you're cold, like, I, I don't know, man, like I, I hate being cold. And uh, yeah, you, if you start looking at that and saying, not only am I going to be cold tonight, but I'm going to be cold tomorrow night and the next night and the next night. I mean, you start to understand why people do coping strategies because even people up the ladder have coping strategies. They just yeah, figure yeah, out totally. how, to, how to not let it cut them down. Um, people get so mad. People get so mad at homeless folks. They're like, oh, man, I saw somebody uh, smoking weed or doing drugs someplace in a park. Like, And they're like – and a lot of times those people are people that smoke weed and do drugs at their house. Cause they have a house to do drugs in, you know what I mean? Or to, to have weird foot sex or whatever they're into, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like whatever you want to do. And I'm sorry. Anybody who's having foot sex, I don't actually think it's weird. It's cool. If you want to fuck feet, that's cool. Damn it. I swear it. I was doing really good. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> now I'm going to have to hit that explicit. Button. Are you going to? No, sorry. that's fine. That's fine. So, um, it out. so, so to finish out, I, uh, I think one of the big concerns and I heard of people trying to get housing for people in LA is that, you know, how is this disease going to spread among people that they don't have a way to socially distance? Um, do you have any thoughts on that about, about the way the disease will spread among people that are living under bridges and in boxes? And this is the deal is that, uh, it's going to hit homeless communities harder, but it's the same thing where people are like, I hate needle exchanges because you're enabling people to do drugs or whatever, but the people that do drugs and use IV drugs, like they have sex with people that don't. Okay. And, uh, a lot of times it's like, Oh yeah, there's a, like there's where the homeless people are. No, like you don't, you, you don't like folks don't understand that they're homeless folks are around. They're working in the community. Like I, I know a lot of homeless folks that have jobs and they, they work, a lot of them work full time, you know, and they, they can't quite get out of it. And they're either living in their car or living in a trailer or they're living on couches, stuff like that. Basically, if they want this, this is the time to do something about housing, like give folks an ability to to distance themselves socially. I know in L.A., some of them are like, screw it, and they're taking over abandoned houses. And honestly, I don't blame them. And honestly, that might be the best thing for society right now is to take those abandoned houses and give them to people that, you know, that need them. You know, it doesn't make any sense to have people like in these large groups that are going to that are going to be spreading this thing. Like because that is a thing. It's really hard when the government is saying, oh, socially distance, like uh, stay at home, you know. And at the same time, it's like for the past, what I don't know how many years it's been where like all the shelters, everything. It's like we operate at this bare minimum, like they barely fund us enough to even operate. You know what I mean? And now they're like, Oh yeah. Uh, make sure folks are staying apart from each other. It's like, nah, like you don't, you can't do both, you know? So, so. if, uh, if people wanted to help, uh, the homeless population right now in whatever city they're in, what, what should they do? How, how can they help right now? Uh, I know food banks are always, are always looking for help. Uh, 
a lot of the times what's needed is uh depending on the area i guess and i probably shouldn't speak to this because i don't all the way know what i'm talking about but uh contacting nonprofits that they know work with homeless folks contacting shelters and just asking them hey what do you need right now like what can i do because different shelters are going to have different needs based on the communities they're serving and what resources they're getting from other areas. One thing that's awesome, and I said this before, is that there are already people that help homeless folks a lot, and things are changing. But one thing about uh, a lot of folks like me and Jake and a lot of the people we work with, uh, we're extremely flexible, and we can change to meet demands and whatnot. And... uh, the best thing for folks to do is contact shelters, food banks, charities in their local area and ask, Hey, what do you need? What are you looking for? What can I try to get you? You know, cause a lot of times we'll, I remember there was uh, some folks, they wanted to make kits for people. So they had like these little kits of like uh, deodorant toothbrush. Uh, I can't remember some of the other stuff, just stuff that you would give if you had, if you, almost what people would bring if they were camping or something. But the thing is, is that we had, we already had way too much deodorant and toothpaste. So we just kind of took the kits apart and took the stuff that we needed and then put the other stuff. And then we gave the other stuff to another charity and then they gave some of our stuff. There was so one good time- to find what they, what they need, right? Hey, yeah, so, yeah. so the final question that I ask everybody that's been on the podcast is where do you think the world will be two weeks from today? You know, I have some hope that uh, the apex of this is going to be sometime in the next like 11 or 12 days, maybe. I hope. Uh, I know it's going to be different in different parts of the country. I also feel like there are more respirators coming. Uh, and I hope that it all lines up in the way. I don't trust our government and I don't trust. Uh, CEOs, but I do trust like most Americans and most people, I should say, not just Americans, but like uh, that we know how to meet demands. And uh, I think at our base level, like we do care about each other. And uh, I bet whoever it is, like the same way that folks that work at shelters are working harder than they have before, I think folks that make respirators are working harder than they ever have before and folks that make ventilators are working harder than they ever have before and they're teaching other people how to make ventilators i don't know that's uh man that's the most hopeful thing anybody said on the on the <laughs> answer so th- th- thank you there for that go. sam miller i want to thank you so much i hope uh your quarantine goes well keep your mom safe and the rest of your family safe and uh and of course tell uh jake i said hi any friend of jake's Hello. is a friend of mine so yeah, he's the, he's the reason I'm here, man. Jake's good people. He's so. good people. All right, man. Be safe out there, Sam. Yeah, we'll see you later. Thanks.